Welcome to the Young, Wild, Financially Free podcast, an audio experience where we don't just talk about it, we live it. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to the Young, Wild, Financially Free podcast. My name is Andrew Roberts and I'm your host. And today's a, a special day for me here in the podcast studio. Um, we have a great team here at our company, Tree Homes. We have some great individuals, and a lot of people say it, but we actually live it. This is more of like a family to us than anything else, um, and we love each of our, our team members. And today, we got to have our HOA manager, Jennifer Riley, a.k.a. Jen Riley, a.k.a. Jen Rye. I don't know how many other nicknames she has. Um, we got to learn her story through this podcast that you guys are about to hear and really find out her journey and kind of how she got to where she is today. And she's an entrepreneur um, in addition to being an employee for Tree Home. So she owns her own company um, where she does home inspections um, called Doyen Inspections. And she crushes it. Um, I've been a client of hers and um, she's very professional and very awesome. And it's awesome to hear kind of her mental uh, journey through becoming an entrepreneur and and why she does what she does and why she loves it. So uh, I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. Please remember to subscribe and like this and share it with your friends. Um, you know, you guys listening is kind of our lifeblood, what we what we live on and um, why we do what we do and why we love it. So without further ado, here is Jen Riley. Okay, and we're live. <laughs> Jen, welcome to the podcast. Well, good morning. Thank you for having me. <laughs> um, so uh, the listeners know from the intro that they just heard uh, <laughs> that uh, you are Jen Riley. You work for us at Tree Homes um, as uh, – what's your title with you, – so you're an HOA manager. Correct. But you also do our, our inspections. Right. But then you also have your own separate business for home inspections. That is absolutely correct. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so how long have you been working for us now? Ooh, um, I think four to five months now. Okay. It's still relatively new. Sure. That's what I would say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. As, and I guess the official title is HOA manager. Okay. So, um, managing those HOA, you know, that, that division of the property management team here at Tree. Sure. So that, you know, Lexi can focus on the rest. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. Um, well, I know that, uh, so you and I haven't worked too close together as far as the operations are concerned, um, but we have gotten to know each other, and I love you being on the team, and um, I know just from hearing everybody else that you know, you're know you a great asset, so excited to have you on the team, but what I want to do in today's podcast is dive into your story, um, see kind of your journey on what got you to today um, with being an entrepreneur, owning your own business, and getting into real estate, okay. um, so tell me and the listeners, where are you from originally? Oh, I am from Arkansas originally. Uh, I grew up there in central Arkansas for, I guess, about the first 20 years of my life. Okay. And then um, in the middle of college, between uh, finishing up undergraduate and grad school, I actually relocated to Houston. Okay. And, um, and then later came back for about a year and a half to Arkansas to finish up my MBA. Gotcha. And so I, oh, I did wow. a little back and forth, but I've been in Texas ever since. So I've been in Texas all of my adult life, mm -hmm. and I feel like a Texan now. You mm -hmm. know, got here as quick as I could. Yeah. Um, what town in Arkansas are you from? 
It's called Searcy, Arkansas. It's a small town in central Arkansas, north of the Little Rock area. Okay. And um, it, it's a college town. That's where Harding University is. And, okay. And um, so it's a, a little dot on the map. I know they, they have some stuff going on right now and are, are kind of growing, but it's a, it's a small place. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and is that where you went to college? It well? is. That's okay. where my parents met. Um, they met in college there and then they stayed. And then I went to the academy associated with the university that they met at okay. and um, went there kindergarten through grad school. So oh, wow. I went to the same, yeah, like cross the street for, you know, different sure. and uh, the camps in the summer. So I was pretty inundated with the, the Searcy surroundings yeah. in, in White County. So. Did, did you enjoy that, kind of being in that same town for that long of time? I did. Um, you know, the, I, I did get away from it eventually because I right. do feel like it, there's a... Um, a bubble-like atmosphere to that community, you know, more churches than restaurants kind of thing. I mean, yeah. it, was a, it was a great place to grow up. And um, I, I actually, I loved my childhood. And I thought that, you know, growing up at Searcy was, was a wonderful opportunity. So, um, but living there now, I, I would never go back. It's just not the same mm-hmm. at this point in my life and the things that I'm focused on and interested in. Sure. Um, my dad's still around there. I still know a lot of people from the community and... Um, you know, it, it holds a special place, but it's just it's just not the same. Gotcha. Now, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, growing up, did you are you an only child, or do you have any siblings? Ooh, um, I am a firstborn, but I'm not an only child. I have a younger sister and then a younger brother. We're all three years apart. Okay, so, gotcha. Yeah. Did that? Um, were you? Did you feel? I guess were you more of like a a leader of like an older sister, or did you pick on your younger siblings, or what was that relationship like? Well. I, I was more of a leader, I would say. Oh, cool. um, I, I, that doesn't mean I didn't uh, pick on them. Right, either, you know? yeah. But I would say just uh, in general, just firstborn, I, I think I have more of those firstborn traits and had that attention for the first three years from my parents as an only child for a while before sure. the siblings came around. And, and then I kind of got used to delegating and being more of a leader in the family. And that mm-hmm. kind of carried over to personal life and things like that, too. Yeah. So, I, uh, I've seen... I guess multiple families, which my family included, the the oldest child um, tends to kind of be a wild child, so to speak. Uh, they like kind of venture out and, and do different things. Do you think that holds true with you? Or Ooh. I was gonna say, where do you fit in on that? How many, <laughs> well, I'm the youngest of five. You're the youngest. Okay. Yeah. So you're the least adventurous. I don't know about that. I think that I, since there was five of us, I think if I was the youngest of four or three, it would be different. Okay. But since there's so many, um, I think that. I had the flexibility to kind of do whatever I wanted. Or I was a little bit adventurous, but I also love structure. I feel like I was like kind of balancing between yeah. those. Yeah. I feel like my sister, who's the middle child, is the epitome of the middle child. Like okay. She fits that role really well. Uh-huh. Um, my brother and I battled for black sheep the entire, you know, um, childhood. Sure. <clears throat> no, I, I grew up, I was kind of um, a rule follower. Okay. And, um, you know, um, uh, uh I got involved. I was on a lot of extracurriculars and a lot of activities and stuff. So I kept busy and I was working constantly. Um, didn't really pick on them, you know, per se or whatever. And we have a good relationship now. Yeah. But I was closer with my younger brother. Okay. I think growing up and then now that my sister and I are only three years apart and we both have kids around the same age. Sure. I think we've gotten a lot closer. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, for but, sure. 
More yeah. commonalities. <laughs> um, so you said you were involved in extracurriculars. Was that something that your parents pushed you to do or encouraged you to do? Uh, I guess is a better word. Or is that something that you kind of... They pushed me. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, <laughs> they forced me to do it. Yeah. Um, and encouraged is a much better word. There. Okay. Good choice. Um, they, you know, I don't think so. I think I wanted to be involved in a lot of activities, honestly. Sure. Um, I liked sports. Like my first word was ball, and I oh, liked wow. I liked athletics from a very young age, and mm-hmm. so um, I kind of started in those things young. Mm-hmm. And my and my parents were very active people too, involved in the church and the community, and you know, um, and my dad was kind of an entrepreneur himself. So I did a lot with uh, you know seeing them, mm-hmm. you know, take different roles in church and in the community or Lions Club or whatever it was, sure. doing stuff on the side. Um, and I think I was also just encouraged to stay busy, you know, yeah. stay out of trouble kind of thing. And it wasn't a lot of trouble to get in my area. Like I said, I went to a private school. Or, uh, there was no dancing allowed. It was like a Footloose community. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm the Footloose story. And it <laughs> so was, you know Kevin Bacon. I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> don't tell them right now. You can't see it, but I'm actually doing the entire Footloose dance. Oh, my gosh. Um, no, it's... Uh, it was a dry county as well, so there was really there was really not a lot that you could get in trouble with, and so we all kept busy because we were a small community. So we did a lot together. Yeah. And if we weren't at church, we were you know playing ball somewhere or you know having a Bible study somewhere, doing all sorts of just like um, community activities. And so and I and I wanted to work and kind of earn my own. Um, you know, money for things on the side sure. from a young age, too. So I started working even before I was 16, okay. uh, like through the Parks and Rec locally, and then, you know, first jobs when I was 16 and stuff. So I think that it was more my idea to just kind of stay busy. Uh-huh. Um, but I don't I don't think that they really pushed anything on me. Sure. I, I, I enjoyed having a busy lifestyle, and now it's kind of, you know, bled over into... Um, now I look back and I was like, how did I have the energy to do, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> and, and work that many hours, but also, you know, play and study and homework and just everything combined right. because I would go until, you know, just collapse in bed each night and start right. over again. So, yeah. Yeah. And you enjoyed, you enjoyed being that busy and working. I think so uh-huh. at the time. Now, like I said, looking back, I'm kind right. of like, I'm, I'm in it. awe of like that I was capable of doing that. Yeah. But at the time, I just think it was youthful and I had a lot of ambition and um, yeah. In high school, did, was college something that was the norm and that's kind of why you did it? Or did you, I mean, did you have these ambitions to go to college to earn a degree? What was that like for you? Yeah, I think it was the norm. Um, okay. I think that the people in my community and then um, I went to a small, like I said, private school. I graduated with like around 35 people. Oh, I want to say it was like 32. Really it was really small. And I would say about half of us were in the same classroom, kindergarten through yeah. 12th grade. And it was just, we all knew that we were going to college more or less. Mm-hmm. It was a preparatory school. So I think that that was kind okay. of, you know, <laughs> that, um, that was part of it. Sure. Um, and with the college next door, that was kind of encouraged. Right. However, um, yeah, it was, my parents both went to college. Mm-hmm. Um, one had graduated at that time and then my mom went on to be a nurse. And um, I just, I think that it was just kind of a known. And honestly, looking back, I don't think I gave it much thought. It was just kind of, that's just what you do. Yeah. You know? 
Um, I think it was the first in my family on either of those sides to go to grad school, um, but it was still just just kind of the norm, like the secondary education. Sure. Kind of, you know, post-secondary, and you just keep going. Yeah, yeah. So did you know uh, that what you wanted to do as for a career and then college was the way to get there? I mean... Or did you don't enter we college? Don't think we know at that time what we want to do? And well, I don't know. I All throughout high school, I didn't even... I mean, I knew that college was what everyone was going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And it was like my senior year that <clears throat> my one of my my algebra teacher was like, oh, my daughter... She said that her daughter was a nurse and there was a high demand for nurses. So I was like, bingo. I mm-hmm. figured out what I'm going to do. And then I got to... And that was like, you know, I had no passion about nursing or helping right. people or the medical field. I got to college. I took my first anatomy class and I was like, screw this. I'm out of here. I yeah. it. And so I switched majors like, you know, three or four times. Um, and the whole time felt lost. Yeah. But you're, so you're saying that you kind of thought you knew what you wanted to do. No, Andrew, I still don't know. Oh. No. Um, <laughs> I mean, this is one of those, uh, it's like an age-old question with me, and I think people fit into kind of two different categories here. Uh-huh. Um, this is just, just a personal belief I'll share with you. Okay. Um, I think that people fall into the, they are they're given or a, a skill set mm-hmm. where they know that they're passionate about certain things, and they just kind of go in that direction. Mm-hmm. And I think there are other people, myself included, that end up being more well-rounded um, in don't necessarily have a specific passion, which is what um, is kind of a, um, I don't know, a conundrum as an individual when you feel like you've been told for a while, like you need to have a, a passion area or a purpose. You yeah. know, per- that, that word purpose is thrown around and it's like, so what is yours? And I don't know that everyone knows that or that it's even, you know, correct. Right. I think it's the the journey of trying to find what that is and what you are passionate about mm-hmm. that could be this, you know, this whole thing we call life to begin with. But um, some people just know and they're like so musically inclined and you just know that they are made to make music mm-hmm. and you can tell that about them from a young age and you watch them grow in this and that's a beautiful thing. And there are other people that, you know, kind of like what you said, end up seeming more lost, feeling more lost, um, but it's not really that they're unskilled or untalented. It could just be more of a well-rounded feel. And where I get trapped is that I could be happy doing a lot of different things. Sure. Like there are a handful of things I'd be like, I could easily be, and it's not even just a content thing. Mm-hmm. It's, um, I could enjoy that. And yeah. I enjoy a lot of different, um, activities and professions, I think. And so it's been hard to really nail down one and say, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. So, you know, I, I've changed careers a couple times. Um, uh, but I've also been stable in those that I've been in. So it's only been about, you know, uh, two to three changes, I would say over the years. Sure. But in college, I don't know that I was, uh, I thought I wanted to teach and coach. Okay. I thought that's what I was going to do when so I got there. But that was just because I, I loved athletics and I thought I wanted to coach and be on the athletic side of life. You know, sure. personal training or coaching. Um, and it was something that I was passionate about. Yeah. And then I think, too, it was kind of like, we don't need that many teachers. It doesn't pay well. I kind of got talked out of it in uh, college as like that. there are other things that there's more demand for. You yeah. Know? And I started doing um, sales and working jobs while I was in college. And okay. everyone kept saying, you're good at this. You should do business. Uh-huh. You know, you should stick with sales. And um, and I get all those sales comments like, 
you know, like the jokes from Tommy Boy, like you could sell a ketchup popsicle to a woman in white gloves, you know, like, and everybody's just kind of joking about it. You can get it. a good look at a <laughs> butcher's ass by sticking your head. Well, Wait, that's... what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that movie. Yeah. Um, so there's, I mean, there was a lot of things that I felt like um, I was, you know, being pulled in different directions and I was never really uh, got the feeling like I wasn't going to be successful. I just didn't know what that was going to be. Uh-huh. So what did you change your uh, major to? So I that? settled on sports management. Okay. Um, kind of similar story to you. I was an athlete and so I thought, oh, well, then I'll, I'll get into sports um, because I love football and I thought that um, that was a, a path that I could take. And then my I became very passionate about being successful, quote unquote, and working hard. And that's something I took pride in was that I worked harder than everybody else. That's how I became successful in football when I was in high school. Yeah. I wasn't athletically talented to begin with and I started years after my peers. And so I applied that to school and thought, well, then what's the biggest thing I can go for? And so I was like, I'm going to be the GM of the Cowboys. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Little did I know that, like, that is, like, the, um, one of the most impossible things for, you know, little old me to do. Um, but I ended up settling on, on sports management. I was actually, it was actually called health and fitness management at mm-hmm. Texas State. And then I minored in business admin. And um, I mean, I love my classes. Honestly, I was really passionate about yeah. and really enjoyed the process of those classes and going to school. Uh, but then it was when the real world hit that I was like, oh, crap. You know, like... <laughs> There isn't this, you know, plethora of jobs and this sure. high salary that I thought there was going to be. Um, so that was a, a bit of a tough transition. Yeah. So did you end up settling on business for your your bachelor's? That's a good, that's a good one. Um, actually, I went into the counselor's office and it was it was more or less like you could um, you could finish up this degree in a year mm-hmm. and just stick with the same degree, which was social sciences, um, and then just not get the teaching coaching certification. Just end up with a a bachelor's of arts in social science, which to me is odd because it's a bachelor's of arts, but it's in a science. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But um, anyway, it's like a combination of geography and political science, you know. Okay. Um, and I, I enjoyed all my classes as well, history um, yeah. and a lot of the coaching and teaching type things that I was doing. But I didn't think I was going to go that route. So um, they said it's it's a year to finish this or it's 18 months if you want to um, – I'm sorry. They were saying to change to change your degree. It mm-hmm. would be like 18 months to two years. Or you could spend that same amount of time, finish the degree you started, and also get a master's in business instead of changing your undergrad to business. Sure. And I was yeah. like, okay, well, now I'll have two degrees. Yeah, the like second one will be more, you know. Um, and so I did that. I just finished out the undergrad. Mm-hmm. I went and got my MBA. I did actually a little overlap where I was still in the undergraduate program but taking graduate level classes. Okay. So I was able to finish up a little bit quicker. Cool. But, um yeah, so um, so I have both now. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and so when you made that decision, was there a certain job or career that was like the goal after graduation? Because like, you know, getting a, yeah. a master's is like a pretty big deal, you know? Well, there was a job I was kind of being courted for that I didn't that I didn't actually need the MBA for, um, but it was more on the sales side, and it, I think it would kind of help with that. But um, uh, I was recruited by Edward Jones to, to be a financial oh. advisor, and I knew several people in the area that were, um, uh, especially you know one family friend that was an advisor, and he, he thought that I would be good at this. And so he okay. brought me on board, and it was a lengthy interview process, and I was doing that while I was finishing graduate um, 
graduate school. And, um, and then I was uh, brought into the company and I started in Houston. And so basically okay. they offered me the job and said, where do you want to set up your office? And, and I said, not in Arkansas. I want, I want to go back to Houston and set up business there. Cool. And so for the first four and a half to five years after school, my first thing was I was a financial advisor building up a practice in, in Houston, Texas, in the Heights area. Yeah. And I had a mentor. It, it is a great area. I love it. Yeah. I have a, I had a wonderful mentor that had been doing this uh, financial advising for several years. Just mm-hmm. this very small um, lady named Shelly. And uh, she's, she's passed now, but she was wonderful to me. And she kind of took me under her wing, um, helped me with, you know, financial advising in general and building up clientele and actually gave me... Um, uh, a certain amount of her assets to pass on because mm-hmm. she had, you know, been in the business for a while. It was a program they they set up there at Edward Jones, and um, it was a really good starting career out of college. Yeah, uh, it was also the worst downturn in the market that we've seen in you and right. I's lifetime. Yeah, so it was also a very stressful, very difficult time to Yikes. be an advisor. Sure, and managing people's nest eggs. Um, so that's why it didn't it didn't stick for long. Okay. I would say yeah, it was just because. Uh, not because it wasn't working well, mm-hmm. it was because of the stress level. I knew that I didn't want to do it long term, and sure. it's like the longer you get into it, and the more clients you build, the more hearts you're gonna break later, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just and I knew, and it was like a feeling in my gut, like I want to do something else. This is just I'm not able to sleep at night, and I wanted yeah. to to work with something that I could actually back. And investments you can't uh, you can't dictate. You know, you can't control how they're going to do it. It's not a tangible thing, but you know, you need to invest. You encourage people to do it, right. but the outcome is, is out of your hands. Yeah. And um, I wanted something that I had a little bit more control over sure. <laughs> and, and what I was doing. And so that's that's kind of why I got out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. Um, and how did your family feel about you moving away from Arkansas? Um, you know, I think they always knew it was going to happen. Okay. Gotcha. So, um, yeah, I was... And it's not like I had this written all over me. I was like a big city girl kind of thing. It was just, um, I think they knew that the, the town was small. I like to travel a lot. I mm-hmm. was like, as soon as I could drive, I would take trips, uh, visit family members in other states. And, That's cool. Um, yeah. And I was very independent. I sure. guess it's a firstborn thing, you know. Yeah. Um, I was very independent from a young age. And so I think that they just always knew it was going to happen. It was yeah. just a matter of when. Right. Yeah. So. I'm sure it was also easier on them with you being the oldest child because like, they still had, you know, two more kiddos that right. were at home, and me being the youngest was not the story. <laughs> you know, it was hard for my mom to let me yeah. go off to college. Um, so after Ever Jones, um, what was the the next career? Um, that was because I mean, was the downturn did that force you to like were you laid off or did you? No, actually, I just turned over my practice to somebody else within okay. the company in the area that wanted to take that over. Um, and again, it was it was a good group of clients. I, I do miss a lot of them that I worked with, sure. but I just knew long term I wouldn't. And I, I took a job in Houston. Um, uh, it was a business development sales position and managing the, the marketing and customer service department mm-hmm. for a startup company. And okay. they digitized public records. Uh, I say startup, they had started years before that, but then when the internet came around, it really helped their type of business boom because they would build databases from courthouse records. So um, I worked with them for seven and a half years and just kind of went from, yeah, it was, it was, it was a good job. And um, the company I think started with 
well, I don't know what they started with, but when I was there, it was around 60 people. By the time I left, I want to say it was close to 100. Okay. Um, and they were constantly growing and doing some fantastic things in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've always been entrepreneurial at heart. Sure. And I've always wanted to work for myself. So when I had the opportunity for that, uh, you know, I was excited to make the switch. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yeah. Is that when you, is after that job is when you kind of made... The switch to entrepreneurship? Yes. Cool. Yes. Is that when you started Doyen? Well, yes, that is when I started Doyen. And that is, um, I had run some businesses on the side, actually. It's uh, done some small things on the side, uh, antique business. And mm-hmm. I managed a fireworks warehouse for 13 years, two of them in Houston. Um, how do you get into, how do you fall into that? <laughs> it, it, it was really, a, it's, it's a unique situation. Um, but I, being from Arkansas, I went to college with a friend. We were kind of club sisters, sorority sisters. That um, You were in a sorority? I know. That sounds weird. What? <laughs> wow. Cool. No, again, it's Dry, Dry County. Uh, sororities really weren't the same thing at my college that yeah. they were other places. Sure. They were Greek, um, but they were more clubs and club-based. Okay. Um, and that's what we called them, the clubs. Okay. But um, I did enjoy that. And I had a friend. We both played basketball growing up mm-hmm. and um, in some of the same traveling communities and and then we were in the same club in college. And on her break from college, she was coming down to Houston to work for her brother-in-law who owned all these firework warehouses. And she mm. was like, you should come. And I was like, I was looking for a reason to get out of town because I lived in the same college town. Sure. So I thought it would be a great opportunity. Came down. I really enjoyed it. And the owner just kind of saw something in me. And over the years, they eventually asked me to start managing the location. So I did that for 13 years Mm, um, on every break for for New Year's and for Fourth of July season, which in Texas, you can sell fireworks for 10 days each season. Uh And um, yeah, I did that for a long time. That's Um, awesome. And and this is like big warehouses uh, direct to the public, but... Uh, we had about 30 employees at each store, six, mm. you know, register lines, and uh, you won't believe what people spend on fireworks. Oh, it's pretty man, amazing. it's nuts. Yeah. So I would do that seasonally, and I always enjoyed it. Um, okay. And so I knew that I was going to do something. It was really that, that passion area I was telling you about before. Sure. Where it was, I know I want to work for myself. I, I definitely want to choose the people that I work with, you know, manage a team, uh, be proud of something, you know, kind of have that baby that you, you know, develop and, mm-hmm. and are proud of. And that's what I consider my business. But I didn't know what I wanted to do. Yeah. And so it, it actually took me several years of working in these other roles and figuring out what I wanted. And uh, I landed on home inspection because it is a really good combination of the, the blue collar hands-on approach that, that I actually enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I, I enjoy things that are more tangible and projects and fixing things yeah. um, and identifying problems and things like that. And not necessarily sitting behind a computer all day. Sure. And, um, and also with home inspection, I mean, you can start as a one person operation and mm-hmm. grow from there. And uh, it was, yeah, like I said, it's just a good mix of owning a business, being able to make your own schedule, mm-hmm. make that fit your needs, um, you know, family needs and things like that. Yeah. And, uh, but also work on something where you get to get your hands dirty a little bit yeah. and, you know, and crawl on some roofs and enzymatics and, you know, um, and I was around that growing up. And so I think that kind of helped. Okay. That's, yeah, that's something that. Um, I didn't mention earlier, but my, my dad was a manager for a lumber company okay. for the first 20 years of like growing up Yeah, and then went into lending and so worked for a bank and my sister also is on the lending side oh, cool. um, with Bank of America and um, my dad's in a, a small regional bank in Arkansas gotcha. and um, 
But I was around contractors and I was around my dad doing entrepreneurial stuff, you know, watching him flip houses and had an irrigation company on the side. And, uh-huh. and I just, I learned a lot from him about craftsmanship and the way that home should be built and, um, you know, how to make things flush, like just, just basic, uh, fundamentals of, of contracting work that kind of stuck with me. And so I've always enjoyed it and and doing that, but I, I knew I didn't want the full responsibility of real estate flipping houses and, you know, taking on those projects all the time and outsourcing that work. And so that's why home inspection was a good combination of still getting to participate Mm-hmm. in that world and in that industry right. and um, the things that I was knowledgeable about and enjoyed yeah but also running a business right you know? yeah I yeah. gotcha so growing up I mean you being an athlete and then also it sounds like through your through your different jobs you know you were a great employee so it sounds like you didn't really have any problem with authority oh you may be stretching there <laughs> um, <laughs> oh no no I, I honestly I don't I don't think I really did. Okay. Um, yeah, that's never that's never been an issue. Like I said earlier, I'm kind of a rule follower. Sure, right. Which I like surprises. to be a little outside the box thinking, okay. you know, um, and adventurous. But when it comes down to, you know, rules and concepts and, um, you know, living within them, then I'm usually a, a team player. Sure. And, yeah. I got you. Yeah, which I am too. Like, I'm a rule follower to a T. That's how my mom raised me. Yeah. Also, you know, going back to a football reference... I loved, you know, the coach telling me what to do, me doing it and doing a good job and yeah. then getting a you know, pat on the back. Yeah. Um, and so entrepreneurship is scary for me. It's something that is outside of my, you know, comfort zone, which I would argue that it's out of, that's out of a lot of people's comfort zones. Okay. But also more so, I say me than um, a lot of other people. And so making that choice to start your own business, what was that like for you? Was that scary? Because it sounds like it's something that mm, might have yeah. been out of your comfort zone or was it in your comfort zone? It was, it was definitely scary. Um, the interesting thing is that a lot of inspectors, what I've seen is a lot of inspectors get into the industry and work for another company because they want, they just want to do inspections all day. Mm. And the part that I thought I was going to be good at uh, as far as being a business owner was actually the communication with clients and the marketing and the sales side of it. Yeah. And so I was more worried about being a good detective, like my schooling, becoming a professional licensed inspector and making sure I know how to find the correct deficiencies so that I could be detail oriented and thorough and do a good job. Working with clients, building up a client base, working with realtors, networking, I was not scared of that part at all. So it was very opposite what I felt like from most people coming out of, you know, inspector school or or whatever, uh, wanting to do this. Um, They tend to sign with another company and I, I... I've been scared because I'm doing everything I can to work under my own branding, work for myself, and not have to go that route because I knew that those were the things I was actually capable of of doing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where I had the background, I guess, where a lot of other people that are inspectors come with an actual construction background okay. or they were trademen or, you know, like they were a handyman or a pool and spa, you know, company or something sure. and then got into this. Gotcha. Um, I came with a business background and right. so it's like I felt mm-hmm. good about running a business I just need to make sure I'm the best inspector I can be. Gotcha. You know? Okay. Um, so do you think that MBA kind of prepared you for this moment? Yes. I would Ooh. say so. I mean, it helped. Yeah. I think a lot of things, you know, contribute to that. And I'm not sure. one to say that, you know, schooling and, you know, book smart is everything. Um, but I think that 
personality wise and a lot of skill sets that I got just growing up and, mm-hmm. and being a leader from both my dad and mom have probably contributed more than like the need for the MBA. Yeah. You know? But that has definitely helped with knowing, you know, profit and loss and like what I'm actually looking for as a business owner versus just getting the work done, mm-hmm. you know, um, thinking large scale and scalability, you sure. know, because that is, that is where my head's at right now. I'm a one person operation, but right. I do aspire to, to have a whole team. And so setting up those future goals, the MBAs definitely come in handy. Gotcha. Yeah. <clears throat> I was going to ask you about scale because you are a one man team, mm-hmm. um, or one woman team. Um, what, so like to scale, it would just be basically growing by bringing on more people. Correct. And so how would you differentiate yourself from, uh, other, I'm not familiar with, you know, the inspection industry, Okay. but you know, other inspection companies, yeah. um, like, would it be, would you have a better price or gotcha. thorough or can you guarantee, I can tell you that you just did an inspection on a duplex I'm going to buy. That's great. And, uh, <laughs> the first house I bought, I didn't do an inspection. I just looked over at myself and I was like, <laughs> it's good. And so when it came to, uh, you know, paying money for an inspection, I was like, ah. and I'm just, I'm very frugal. You're thrifty. Yes. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a, a bargain. I'm a bargain shopper. I, I cut coupons. It's okay. <laughs> and so, uh, I was like, ah, but I know and love you. And so I was like, I trust her. Great. Awesome. And then come back, I ended up saving more than twice the amount that I paid for the inspection on closing costs. So it was like, well worth it. Is that something that you can, I don't think, I don't know if you can, but like, you know, guarantee or prop or, you know, saying to clients? No. Yeah. I definitely can't guarantee, you know, any type of thing that will happen on the real estate transaction itself. Sure. But, um, I do like to set my self apart from other inspection companies out there. Um, and so I think it started with, with branding, first of all. So yeah. the name of the company is, is Doyen Inspections, which is a, an, an antiquated word. It's not used very much anymore, but I believe it's a 19th century word that uh, started as a French word. And it means uh, a, a female who's an expert in her field. Oh! Uh, of, of any field. So, I love that. Yes. Um, so instead of just creating my own company, my own name, you know, um, and going branding that way, I knew I wanted to bring on a female crew. And the reason why is because when I first decided to become an inspector, one of the reasons that this was that this is what I want to do is because it's underrepresented by females. Sure. It's about less than 10% of the industry right now are females. Mm-hmm. In my class, I know, and in the classes and labs I did, um, <clears throat> it's less than 10% women even now going to school and being trained mm-hmm. to be an inspector. And to me, that saddens me. Um, and and that, is, that is because I think females make great inspectors mm-hmm. um, for, for a lot of reasons. But the two biggest ones are uh, finding problems, I've always joked that women are great at finding problems. Yeah. And, um, you know, and most men can attest to this out there, but, uh, you know, being more detail oriented, looking for those little things, uh, the main job of an inspector is to find efficiencies. So that's the first part. The second part is communicating that to the client so they can make an educated decision about the biggest purchase that people typically make in their lives, Mm -hmm. Americans. Um, So, you know... I think women are great at communicating for the most part, mm-hmm. not always, but um, that women do great in this role because they're good at finding problems and then they have a great you know, tendency of, of being able to communicate those, especially to the female side of the home buyer. Not every person out there wants 
you know, a guy mansplaining everything to them. That being said, I only had male home inspectors for my last three purchases. Okay. And I had great experiences with every single one of them. Cool. Okay. And there are some amazing inspectors out there. That's one of the reasons that I decided to go into this is I had good experiences with all the inspectors Mm -hmm. that when I was buying a house and at the same time I thought, I could do what they're doing, mm-hmm. okay, because of my background. And so, on, like, when you told me that you didn't have an inspection for your last house, yeah. part of me cringed a little bit because I just know the liability that can go along with that. Yeah. And that this is a really good choice to have an inspection. Right. But you're right. Not everyone does it. And on my very last uh, home purchase, I was in a bind and we had a short option period and there were some other things going on. And I opted not to do it. Okay. And I... Uh, had time to uh, the the house was vacant at the time okay and so I got extra time to go to the property and I did it myself as right. much as I could although I wasn't licensed at that point mm. um, but I wouldn't recommend that to anyone yeah. I would definitely recommend a professionally licensed inspector because there are so many things to look for um, and as far as safety I mean the goal is to make sure that they are making a good purchase right so clients, Hire me to find as many problems as I can and communicate those while setting expectations about what those problems actually mean, what they could cost, how long they may take to fix, or yeah. if they're things you can just live with, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so having that um, that name and that business name, yep. that, that's really the goal is to bring on a female team because, like I said, we like presence in the industry. And in trades in general. I've actually started networking with a lot of females in trades and other professions. Plumbers, electricians, mm-hmm. HVAC companies. Um, because it, it tends to be a man's world in those communities. And um, and so I've also noticed that women really hold the buying power. And they make a lot of the buying decisions in the family. Um, mm-hmm. Not only just retail things, but when it comes to real estate purchases as well. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like they want, they're going to be the ones at the home possibly more. Mm-hmm. And um, at the end of the day, they have a lot more sway in those decisions. So when I'm doing my job at an inspection, I'm typically talking to the female okay. buyer, you know, in, in a married couple or hetero couple situation. That's that's who I'm usually talking with more. Right. Um, and they like working with a woman they like talking to a woman um, Mm -hmm. in these settings is what I've noticed I've had people call and hire me just because I was a female yeah Um, that has come up that's just I feel like human interaction human nature is like females are more comfortable with other females and if they were if a male inspector was talking to a female home buyer she might there's just there's a difference in like just the it's a like a unspoken yeah you know what I'm saying no I, I I do and it's it's hard like I said I don't necessarily think that I'm um, any better than any other inspector that's not what sets me apart sure but the the goal is um, that I am very detail oriented mm-hmm. and that I want to show that women are really great in this role and that there are that are women that should be looking to do some trade like this instead of necessarily going to college or doing other stuff. If they're interested in homes and flipping homes and real estate, but they mm-hmm. don't want to be a realtor or get a realtor's license, mm-hmm. um, or they are really hands-on or have a trade background, this is a really good opportunity to do something where it's a really good mix of, of everything. I get some interaction with clients through the day. I mm-hmm. also get a lot of alone time where I'm just doing detective work, mm-hmm. you know, or writing a report. And so um, for the introverted side of myself, that's, right. a, nice, that's a nice mix. Mm-hmm. But I really enjoy that walkthrough with the client. You know, I spend about 30 minutes to an hour 
mm-hmm. at the inspection, at the end of it, just taking the client through, showing them everything I find, answering questions. And that time is um, is really enjoyable for me. Yeah. You know, you were talking about the feeling successful or the, right. the coach, like doing something for that, that feedback, yeah. you know, as an entrepreneur. And what I've noticed is that it's not as scary as you think because I've gotten a lot of really good feedback that makes me uh, feel and I guess justify more and more that I'm that I'm in a good role. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. For um, sure. And so I think maybe there's a there's a time um, you know there's there's some time where it takes to get to that point. Sure. But eventually there are things that start reminding you like yeah this is a good fit. Yeah. You know and most lately it's been client reviews. Uh-huh. That's a really that's that that's that coach's pat on the back. Right. You know that yeah. you're looking for. So yeah. Don't be too scared of it. You you may be. Better entrepreneurial stuff than you think. Ah, thanks. So, uh, going forward, um, when I know that, you know, the the plan is to grow the company, um, what, at what point are you going to be able to take a step back to focus more on growth in the business? Because we all have 24 hours in a day. Hire someone else so that you can dedicate more time to growing as opposed to the actual labor of it. Inspections themselves, yeah. Um, well, right now I would say it's still, I'm still very much in a growing as an individual mm-hmm. state. And, and not just personal growth, although that's there as well. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I just started the company last year, and um, I've been able to team up with Tree Homes, um, right. network with some really great groups in town, start working with some other women in trades and women, women uh, entrepreneurs that has really helped. Yeah. Um, but typically with, with an inspection company or as an inspector, it's a good two to three years before you really get to a place where you have enough inspections coming in on a regular basis. Sure. And so I'm trying to cut that, that timeline down, you know, as much as possible. Yeah. And get there quicker. You right. know, that's, that's the goal. But... Um, you know, I started the company in, in 2018. We're just now in 2019. And um, I would say it's probably going to be another year before I can really bring on anyone else. Okay. And I'm, and I'm anxious to do that, but also open to a variety of ways, mm-hmm. you know, teaming up with other female inspectors that, that want to work with the company mm-hmm. um, even before they're licensed or maybe some of those out there that are already licensed, but they just don't want to work for themselves or want to team up and not worry about the... The branding and marketing right. and social media work uh, and, and, you know, all the other parts that come with the owning the business, having insurance and liability and contracts and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and taking on that role. But um, I'm excited about the opportunity to, like, choose some people to work with. Sure. And, you know, have um, have some coworkers. Yeah. It can get lonely out there. Oh, you know, I when bet. you're working by yourself a lot. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited about, you know, doing that and being able to step back and not have as many inspections a day where I can you know, recruit other female inspectors from, you know, like I said, a variety of backgrounds and a variety of stages of where they are in becoming an inspector Yeah. and kind of bring them into the company. So that is one thing as we go into the fall, you know, this year in the real estate, Mm -hmm. um, you know, as far as cycle, I anticipate a little bit slower season over the holidays and um, I'll be focusing on a business model, scaling the company, and kind of working on those things for next year. Mm-hmm. So awesome. uh, by the end of 2020, I, I will probably have another employee under my belt. That's All right. Yeah. That's so exciting. Good, 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 good. Um, okay, one last question. Um, so for young entrepreneurs um, and people starting in business, um, what would be like your one piece of advice? Okay. Um, no pressure. I know this really. This one put me on the spot. Um, 
I would say that using your skill set to determine what you do mm. as opposed to finding something that you think will either make a lot of money or that your parents want you to do mm-hmm. or, you know, or family pressures, whatever it is. Um, or, you know, like you were talking about nursing earlier, oh, it's a good job. There's always jobs, you know, yeah. that type of thing. And just choosing a route because that, you know, and it's going to bring in a paycheck. I don't think that's how entrepreneurs minds work to begin with. Mm-hmm. They're not really just thinking about, oh, I just need a good steady job. Um, it's about building something or making something, calling something their own. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that that needs to be mixed with something that you are actually passionate about or enjoy. Yeah. And um, I know that the other jobs that I've had, although they were good companies and they were good roles, and I, I can't really complain about them a lot, um, I didn't feel successful at the end of the day like I do now. Sure. You know, I didn't have that that feeling of uh, I'm necessarily you know making the world a better place or like I've done my job and I've used the skills that I was blessed with along with you know, putting in hard work and some elbow grease to like actually do something good and go home feeling exhausted and that I've been successful. Right. right? And that is something that, um, although intangible, like you, you can't get it in a lot of other areas. It's, it's a feeling, you know, Uh and it's, um, and it's something that to me helps me sleep better at night. And I feel like for most entrepreneurs, there's, um, there's a need not just to make money, Mm -hmm. but to, um, to feel good about the work that you're doing. Yeah. Have a sense of accomplishment. Exactly. That's, um, that's a really important thing that's not talked about much. And I think that, uh, as an entrepreneur, you have to find what that is for you. Mm-hmm. And if, if you get into it for a while and it's not, you know, it's not feeling that way, find, find something else mm-hmm. because just because you are an entrepreneur and you have that mindset, but haven't found exactly what type of work you're going to be doing doesn't mean you should just go work for another company, okay. you know, or if you want to be your own boss, be your own boss. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, I've been fortunate that I, that I found that. And you, you say young, I'm, I'm 37 now. I don't necessarily feel young. It took me a little while to get to this point, uh-huh. but I'm really glad that I'm here now. So yeah. I would encourage you to, to dig deep and, and find those skill sets that maybe you've been complimented on your whole life, whether mm-hmm. they were, uh, hard work or communication or, you know, uh, having a personality of, you know, uh, of being able to network with a lot of people. Not, sure. not everyone likes that. And so right. find those little nuggets that you're good at and, um, and go in that direction. That, that's awesome. Yeah. That's what I'd say. Good advice. Good advice. <laughs> well, thank I love you. it. Yeah. Um, so for the listeners, um, who need a, a good home inspection because the majority of our listeners are you know, involved in the real estate industry. Sure. Um, how can they find a bit more find out more about you and your company. Okay. Um, so my website is doyeninspections.com. Okay. That's where I would lead you first. That's D-O-Y-E-N-N-E. Okay. And, um, and I also have a Facebook page. A lot of the reviews are on, on both pages. But um, you can do that. All my contact information is on there. Okay. And most people, you know, it's a, it's a case-by-case situation as far as pricing. So I don't have a lot posted, although I feel pretty transparent with all that. Sure. Uh, call me up. Tell me more about the house you're looking to purchase or an investment that you have, whatever it is. Or uh, I do pre-listing inspections. So if you're selling a home, you own it now, and you want to know everything that's wrong with it before you put it on the market, right. I do those as well. Um, give me a call, and we can talk through it and um, you know set up a good time that works for you and address any questions at that point. But 
that's where I'd send you first. Cool, cool. Um, I'll put all your information in the show notes below. Um, Jen, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was a joy to talk to you. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Okay, the listeners, we'll see you guys later, okay? Bye.